Hi, I'm Anthony Casey. Welcome to episode 7 of Training Times. say you've had an interesting life would probably be an understatement Connie would that be right that would be 100% correct <laughs> yes so basically Connie what I'll say I know you're not too familiar with this it's, it's relatively new anyway so I'll explain basically what the podcast is about and then yes. we'll lead into some some things experiences you've gone through so Certainly. so basically um, the podcast is really what I'm aiming to achieve is to talk to people and um, share their experiences kind of um, talk, some people have talked about when they're at their lowest and how they pick themselves up one being your own son Neil spoke about that and um, then different people I think when they listen to it might relate to different characters and with their story and that and um, just a basic chat you know yeah so, so basically um, instead of usually I, this is called training thought and truth as you can see usually what I say to people is you know what, what kind of training they do you know what kind of books they read what, what's important to them but I think you have such a story that I'll probably go back and start at the beginning now we, I don't really know what your story me and you talked briefly about it on the That's phone right. and I said to you we're probably better off waiting until you know we're actually there doing the saying it you know right, yes. so um, as a young fella growing up in Dublin um, would it be right in saying that you your father had a certain moral view um, an opinion that you didn't really align with or that you didn't see was right. Yeah. That's correct. Tell me a bit about what you would have thought that way. Well, according to my father's philosophy, the teachers were right, the church was right, the cards were right, the judiciary was right, the politicians were right, everybody was right. Now, another thing too, as a child, if I fell in the garden and started crying, I went into the house crying. Now I'm talking about five, six, seven. I'd, I'd get this response, what are you crying for? Mm-hmm. Shut up or I'll give you something to cry about. Old school and kind of. you'd get another few. So we learned very early on in life to not cry. To yeah. suppress my feelings. Mm-hmm. Bottle them up. Bottle them up. But as I learned later on in life, violence breeds violence. That's true. Okay. And that's true. Yeah. So going on in life, I I rebelled against authority. Mm-hmm. Because when I seen the teachers uh, whipping the kids. Yeah. Uh, I seen the, I was an older boy too. When I seen the priests were supposed to be there for the poor and the aged, yeah. that wasn't the case at all. Mm-hmm. So my whole vision of the world changed. And then when I seen uh, wrongs being done and nobody had any say, the church, the government, the police, it was a police state, yeah, yeah. had such a stranglehold on everybody. And 
hoy was a rebel, hoy rebelled against that. And that led me to getting into numerous fights mm-hmm. as I got a bit older. I ran away from home when I was 14. That's right, yeah. But uh, to pull, when you're saying, can you tell me if, if I'm right in saying this? Um, it, in, in my mind, there's a relatively old Ireland and New Ireland, so you know, kind of the generation you grew up in is kind of based on like all hierarchies. The church were so powerful. That's right. And then um, they, you know, the priests, they used to knock door to door. Everyone was afraid of them. They had That's such right. such a, like a, a head chief of Gardaí has now. It, it's That's like right. a different world almost, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's not that long ago, but I think it's like old Catholic Ireland and what they, the power they had in some ways, isn't it, in, in a way? That's right. It's like... People lived in fear. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, this philosophy about God is everywhere, you're born in hell, mm-hmm. you're wrong. This was a massive thing to a child. Yeah, yeah. And I started seeing a different side of life. Mm-hmm. The guards at that point in time, I talked about where I was brought up, yeah. in Balfermis. Uh, if we were playing handball, I told him and followed him because there were some facilities. It would be a kick and probably a smack of a bat. Mm-hmm. So this in turn got me to hate the guarantee. Yeah. In addition to that, I hated teachers. Yeah. And I hated all authoritarians. Yeah, all the hierarchies. That, That's right. And it's really, the, it's, I suppose it's like fourfold. It's like... Um, the Gardaí were heavy-handed, the teachers were heavy-handed, even That's the Christian right. brothers even. Um, the priests were very powerful and That's domineering, right. fearing, and probably the parents back then, the fathers, there's a different, um, very em- emotionless culture, isn't there? Like, boys have to be boys, no crying. That's um, right. It's, you know, I'm going to harden you up and get you out ready for the world kind of thing. That's right. So wouldn't, would I be right in saying, you told me you, you ran away there, and um, this also stemmed from an incident with uh, in the church as you're uh, uh, yeah am I right in saying there's something to do with the um, the Eucharist yeah. and you as an altar boy tell, tell me what me happened there what happened was there was this lady an old lady that used to talk to statues okay. in the church yeah she wore men's shoes mm-hmm. she wasn't very wealthy but she was a godly woman yeah and I was being an altar boy I was serving mass with, with no names, no scandal. Yeah, no big. priests. Mm-hmm. And I was holding the pattern under her mouth, but her tongue kept on going in and out. So the Holy Communion fell yeah. as her tongue went in. Yeah. I picked the Holy Communion up and I stuck it on her tongue, mm-hmm. which was a sacrilege at yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. So, which is very hard for a young fella to know, even as an altar boy. Like, I was an altar boy years ago, and um, I only realised that that was a sacrilege. Uh, the last episode I did, I spoke with a girl who was telling me about this miracle in Italy where it fell on the ground, they put it in water, and but I didn't realise, and then you're the second person saying to me that, that so how would you have known at 14 or 15, even, that that would have... Well, it was actually younger than that. Were you? Yeah. yeah. So what we actually did... The priest said, oh, moderate seven churches, 
sacrilege has been committed in the eyes of God and so forth and so on. So I told him to go to hell through the pattern on the on the altar rails and said said you can say plead mass yourself. Yeah. Now I walked off the This is in the middle of mass. This is in the middle of mass. <laughs> so I got home now about an hour later the priest called to the house mm-hmm. and of course I was the biggest devil that walked on the planet yeah. because I had done something in the house of God yeah. and so forth so you can only imagine that you know these days if a priest called your house you know you wouldn't think twice about it but back then in old Catholic Ireland and I don't mean to say old yeah, Catholic yeah, Ireland but absolutely. with the way things were you know when the priest calls your house about your son I can imagine there be fear in the parents, like, oh my God, what's going on here? It's it's worse than the guard calling to the house. <laughs> That's exactly what I got killed. Yeah. I got battered. Now, I never went back near the church. But my father and I were, maybe we were two a week. Yeah. But I disagreed with his philosophy because all these people, were above reproach according to his philosophy. But the upshot was, anyway, I ran away from home at 11 years old. 11? 11 years old? Oh. I was down down in Sligo, where my father came from. I made me way down there. Oh. Uh, a bit of trickery, a bit of conniving. Yeah. Joined in the family, getting onto the train. Yeah. Pretend I was one of the kids. Yeah, yeah. Got to Sligo and then they found out I, I was in my uncle's house. I told him my father was coming down to collect me and all the lawyers. Mm-hmm. When, another, when I was sitting having tea with him, an SOS came out on the radio that I was missing from home since yesterday, the day okay. before. Right. So I had to. Tell the truth and you know. up, yeah. But when I went home, I refused to go back to school. Okay. Because uh, I wanted a job, and in my mind, to earn money was better than going back to a sheriff, what I considered. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Animals, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. But um, I was in secondary school at 12. And I remember a Latin teacher, big fella, and I was a small little tin fella. But he picked me up off the stool, mm. placed me on the table, and I was oi to oil. So I hear him smack me head. Because violence was everywhere. Yeah. That's how people reacted. Yeah, yeah. Of course, snow started bleeding, so I had to run away and I started living rough. Broken down cars were everywhere. So you could sleep in a car or sleep in a maid's house. But then at 14, let's say, my father and I had a massive argument. Okay. So we left home. But where I went, I was up in, do you know, Labra Park. Yeah, yeah. The traveller side mm-hmm. up on the Coyle Road. I went in there to sleep in the car. When the family 
seen me there the following morning. They asked me what was my problem and so on and so on. They gave me a mobile home to live in. They treated me very well. Now I could write, so I went around the country, signed a few tax and insurance and all that type of thing. Okay. You know? So I was with those for about a year, but I started getting into fights because I was drinking mm -hmm. a hell of a lot. Yeah. And as I said here earlier on, I was getting moulded as I went along. Yeah. So yeah. in other words, if somebody said you stood your ground. Yeah, yeah. Because you were always and that's all you knew as well in a lot that's of ways. Right. That's how you reacted to anger or violence towards you. That's right. So what actually happened was I ended up being incarcerated. Yeah. Because for fighting. For fighting, yeah. Not for robbing, mm -hmm. for fighting. Yeah. Then I get in with gangs mm -hmm. and some of them are pretty heavy. Right. Okay. Let me put it that way to you. Yeah, yeah. And at 25 years of age, now I knew everybody who was anybody mm -hmm. in the criminal world. Right, okay. So very deep into that side of things. Yes, it is. That's how we was able to read that murder trigger. Mm -hmm. But what happened was, one day I woke up, I realised that every time I was locked up or I was in the hospital, all of these thousands of friends that I thought I had, yeah. not one of them was came to see me or threw me a few up. Can I, can, can I, can I jump on to something yeah. that I think... Maybe happened before you were twenty five. Um, when you ran away, did you you were became a member of the army, the British army? Oh, sorry, yes. Can I ask you a bit about that? Um, because I believe when you went to um the British army, it was probably you know it was seen as a good career back in the day. Yes. Um, a good way, and a lot of people, a lot of Irish men did. But you had a conflict when um the troubles started erupting. Up the north. That's right. Yes. And I know you, you briefly touched on this, and um, I know you're in the navy as well. But when like, there's a thing you know. I always think about it this way. Um, you must have had a, a pair of been split in two in a lot of ways because, on one side, you had a good career, but then your loyalty to Ireland, you know, probably you didn't want to go ahead and fight on the other side. As That's you've right. Seen it. And this, uh, what age were you when you, when this was all going on? Right, I joined the army when I was 15. 15, yes. I joined for 21 years, 11 on reserve. Yeah. Because I had no home. Mm -hmm. And when I had a home, the home was always there for me. Yeah. But my pride would not let me go back to the house. Yeah, okay. Right, so in the, I joined the, in 1968. The troubles start breaking out in the north. Yeah. So where you're stationed. Where you're you're stationed, St. Patrick's Barracks, Ballymena. Mm -hmm. So I was there and I was there for months. And when the trouble broke out, I says, I'm not fighting against my own people. Absolutely, yeah. Because as far as I was concerned, I was Irish. Mm -hmm. So myself and a friend of mine, 
went AWOL, absent without official leave. Was he Irish as well? Dublin, yeah. He was a Dublin man, yeah. Now, no names, no scandal. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Right. So, anyway, the upshot was I joined the Irish, no, sorry, I joined the Irish Navy, Naval Service, and that was found. I bought myself out after six months. And the reason I joined it was because I was in trouble. Yeah. So, so basically, when you leave the British Army, you're on the run, basically. That's right. Because now the British authorities are looking for you. Because That's it is a crime, isn't it? In, in oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is, so, and I understand where you're coming from, I think a lot of people will as well, because I, I, this is an observation of mine anyway, but Ireland, it's, so, it's a small enough country by itself, and it has an oppressive history with That's the British. Great. And there's, I think, you know, it's one of the only countries you can go to and at the end of the day, you know, if the anthem comes on, everyone stands to attention. Or I've been, I've played music around Ireland, different parts of Ireland, even the north. And it's one of the only countries I think that people stay up and they, they see 15 and 16 year olds, they know all the old songs and they listen to it with such spirit. And, you know, when you look, go to Gaelic football matches, everyone stands with the anthem and it's as if they're about to lay their life down for it. And, you know, it, it's, where do you think that comes from in certain ways? You know, there's, there's like a love that you're born with for the Republic almost. Um, you know, the culture, you, it's like you're trying to preserve what little, because it's being taken away from our history. Um, like I know my younger brothers and me were playing Irish songs that we heard our uncles playing, that we knew where like our, our grandfather, he related to certain songs and we played it then in memory of him and this passed on, you know, and you learn the stories. Irish, I think, Irish poems and songs are so steeped in actual people and history. You know, I think, that, right. you know, I can, I can understand the predicament of being, you know, going to the British Army back then when it was a great job, but then all of a sudden these troubles breaking out and you're saying, well, hold on, I'm not going to you know, restrain this guy or shoot at him. You know, he's one of my own. Go against me. Yeah. And now, now you're in a position where you're on the run from the British authorities in Northern Ireland. You went, to, sorry, you joined the Irish Navy, was it? I did. I yeah. joined it. And I bought myself, I was in a bit of trouble anyway. Yeah. But I bought myself of the Irish Navy. I had a well planned. Is that where you boxed, actually? Because you I did. did. You did boxing. <laughs> now to jump on the train a bit, but uh, you, yeah. like Noel, as well, and, and Neil, um, there must be some uh, boxing history in your family because I know as well, maybe it came from you, but you boxed the championships in the Navy, is that right? There was 300 in the Naval Service when yeah. I was there. Mm. I think there was 10, 11, 12,000 in the Army, in the yeah. Irish Army. Okay. So I boxed. I was selected, I volunteered with no choice, you, you, you and you. <laughs> so four of us went to box against the army. So I won all my fights and I do believe to this day I'm not blowing my own trumpet. Yeah. But I think I was the very first man in the Irish Naval Service to, to win the all army boxing championships. Wow. Now my father boxed. Did he? Okay. Then I have nephews that boxes. That's right, yeah. Uh, 
obviously Noel and Eamon being uh, Noel Eamon Jim Rock Jim Rock that's right yeah Robbie Murray Pads on yeah big big um, big achievers you know big All-Ireland f- uh, winners you know um, professional boxers yeah, yeah yeah. so somewhere uh, internally there was that fight if you know what I'm saying yeah it was don't stand out yeah stand yeah. your ground yeah now Sorry, after I brought myself out of the Navy, mm-hmm. I went to London. Yeah. Now I'm moving on to the 1970s. Okay, yeah. Now, as you know yourself, well, I'm not saying you know, but yeah, by journal, mm-hmm. so you sign on in a labour exchange for yeah. your journal. But I signed on this labour exchange in London and got my journal anyway. About three weeks later, the lady says to me, does two men want to talk to you in the room? And I says, sure. And I went in and there were you with you. <laughs> and I was small. So he says, Cornelius, Cornelius. And I says, yeah. He says, we're arresting you. So I said, for what? Gone AWOL from the British Army. They caught up with you in London. They caught up with me. So they handcuffed me there and they brought me down to Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard, yeah. Yeah, because they have an army base there in Scotland Yard and the police. And this is, I know, you briefly touched on this as well. Though. I keep saying it briefly touched. We actually didn't go into detail on things, but this sounds quite horrific, I think, in my mind. This is the solitary confinement. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, what happened was this. They handcuffed me, brought me to Scotland, questioned me in Scotland for five days mm. because bombs were going off everywhere in 1971. Yeah, yeah. So, and because we had military training, mm-hmm. they assumed A, B, C, and D. But I was brought to this uh, carriage from Houston to catch the boat from Belfast. And I had an escort with me. There was four escorts and they handcuffed me to the radiator. This is on the train. And there was one double fella. And I says, he's get me some tea or a drink. They all got a drink, not me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't give me a smoke. So anyway, we got to the boat. They handcuffed me down the basement to a bunk bed. It's like the Titanic, believe it or not. I got off at Belfast and was escorted to Palomina. Now the CEO says to me, you could soldier on and we can overlook a few things. What? says, I know. says, what would you do if um, we, we made you stay because you have, you've signed up. And I said, I'll be honest with you, I'd shoot my fellow soldier in the back. Yeah. Now, I was more than surprised at what he said back to because me. Because that, that's uh, probably a shootable defence in the 70s, you know what I mean? They could take you out to, you know, and yeah, say nothing, yeah. you know. But why he said surprised me somehow, he says, I wish everybody was like you. That they were straight out. 
because there's people in here that are leaking out information and doing as bad, if not worse. So then I was putting to a cell, solitary confinement, where I ended up there for months. Yeah, something like six or seven months or something, wasn't Longer. It? Longer, yeah. Yeah, and I never got out of that cell for one minute. Yeah, day after cell. day, you were never out of that cell? No. At five o'clock in the morning, the door opened. Your mattress was taken out. You were allowed two cigarettes a day. Your dinner was in through the hatch. And at seven o'clock in the evening, they would hand you back your mattress. Lights out kind of thing. Uh, so you'd sit in a hard spring bed. Now, I paced up and down. You're talking about probably six foot by six foot? Or in, that, in eight by nine. Eight by nine. So just trying to get into 99% of people will never know what this is like probably. And um, like, you know, sometimes you watch, all you can think about watching the movies or hearing the stories. And I often think to myself, I don't know how, you know, mentally, you know, how you mentally go on, you know, in this kind of thing. You know, you have to have some certain mental resilience. I'll tell you what, Anthony. What saved me was imagination, my imagination. So in other words, although I was sitting on a spring bed, I was off somewhere else, mentally. I wasn't there. Now remember, that was a very Protestant place, Palomina. Yeah, yeah. And the taunts I used to get day after day from... The guards. No, from, from the soldiers, because it was in military custody. But however, after months, the cell door opened, and this fellow says to me, come on. I said, come on, what? He says, come on. And he was asking me outside the cell door. But I was so trying to just walk up and down here that probably felt uncomfortable walking out at that stage didn't you? I couldn't walk out that really, yeah. I had to kind of get he had to pull me in then they gave me a pound that was my travel voucher down to Dublin but that was a horrific Jeez, I can't imagine what that would be you know to, like but even saying imagination it's still month after month uh, did you have pen and paper did you have a window like was no, it just, you did, you know, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um, semi-circle window yeah. which they have in the Bridewell or anywhere else with bars and you have a little square for letting air come oh, in yeah, yeah. a bit of a vent do you know what I'm saying? yeah yeah um, and when you when you get out is that your stint done then? you're back to Dublin that's your debt paid then is it? in their eyes oh yeah yeah, yeah. but this you go back this is when you go this is where the criminal element comes into it where you're living rough is that right? That's right, that's right. And so when you're saying about you're 25, right, you're living rough, you know, you're at a hospital, these guys aren't around you. Um, can you remember making the decision or where you are or your mindset when you said, I'm going to turn this around? Right, I'll tell you what. Along the road, a few of the people with parents grew up they ended up killing people. A lot of my friends ended up getting killed, shot, whatever, drugs, whatever. So I'm watching all this. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm saying, now I'm not saying I was a saint. Yeah. I was, I hold my hands up, I was not a saint. You wouldn't be able to survive in that environment if, if you were. No, you know. no, impossible. So one day I woke up and I said to myself, hold on, life has to be better than this. Mm-hmm. What? What am I doing? So I then went and asked for help. And I got help. And I did a whole course. When you say so, you went to ask for help. Where did, where did you go? Uh, a place called the Rutland Centre. Okay. This That's is for, for homeless people, was it? No, 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 no. It was for people with drug, alcohol, gambling. Addictions. Addictions or whatever. Now, they had a program that you could learn. Yeah. But thank God I've been reared in a very religious home. And mm-hmm. um, I had something to go back to, to pick up where I left off. Okay. So the first thing I did when I got in, cut out all my acquaintances, associates, changed my life around. I remember I used to get the bus out of body fairs just to avoid certain people, go to Dunleary, so on and so on. Now, then what happened was, as you know, we met Neil's mother and yeah. so on and so on. Yeah. And it was actually her oiling who said to me, Come, you have some good stories. Now, I bought a place to own Grayson's, yeah. Koch, that was my dream. I got my dream. And I remember when I got out, I sat out in a narrow chair and peace and quiet, such a different type of life than the life I led. And I remember saying to William, Lord rest our soul, could you give us a pen and paper? And I just started writing. I never had any intentions of writing in my life. And then what happened was, Within six months, I had my first book written, which was called Two Plus Two Equals Question Mark. But then I ran into problems with the book. Because I published the book, I paid for the book, I did everything with the book. Because of the contents of the book in 1987, I wrote about the church, Teach skills to. Um, which book is this? This is. Two plus two equals question mark. Mm-hmm. Two plus two should equal four. But in the character's case, what's gone wrong? Yeah, this isn't adding up, basically. Sorry? It's not adding up, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or why should that person, let's say a judge is meant to be impartial. Yeah. Why are they so partial? The power that was around, not one book sold would take my book. So why the young family, as you know yourself? So I says, what am I going to do with these books? So what I actually did was, I knocked at doors. And like that, in a short period, 2,000 books got. 2,000, yeah. Then I got another, Reprint, 5,000. 
We ended up seventeen thousand of those books through the years knocking at doors. Gone. Fifteen thousand of the motor trailer. Gone. It's a lot of doors we knock on. It is a lot of doors. <laughs> doors, pubs, you name it anywhere. I couldn't care. Because it's my work. I'm not saying I'm a great author. I it's up to the person who buys the book yeah. to say what they think of the book. Because yeah. every author will tell you, hey, my book is the best yeah, in the yeah. world. But I did see um, a snippet of in the Herald, the Irish That's Herald, right. how the Dublin man sold something thousand books, or you know, um, and the, the write up on it. But when was that from 85? Is that right? Or, um, no, no, that was in. 2009. And nine. Sorry, that's right. Uh, the 15th of August, 2009. That's what it is, yeah. yeah. My, I was close. Yeah, not too <laughs> far now. Yeah. My books were going for up to $400. For? Yeah, for the origins, yeah. And now, I knew absolutely nothing about this. I'm not a computer literate man. Yeah, yeah. I bought a laptop, we did this commonly. And I seen this, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But I seen this little trolley cart, and I, I didn't even know what it was, but it was tipping anything. But next I said, Congratulations, we will give you $50 off your purchase. Your purchase, me own book. <laughs> so I rang around, and then the evening held it, and they found that. It was gone in Hong Kong, China. Amazing, yeah. Because it was an accident. You you had it online almost, wasn't it? You didn't know. Yeah. Like you said, it wasn't as if you rang up a publisher. Will you get this set up for me online and whatever like that? You know, all of a sudden it just took off once once it went on on the web, which was you know that's pretty really amazing stuff. You know, it obviously it's a testament to what's in it. Well, look again. I'd say this, Anthony. That, um, I'm not going to say I'm great. It's my readers. Yeah. It's up to them to tell me. Yeah, yeah. Because, as you know yourself, there's a million and one best singers. Yeah. But who's the best singer? Yeah, yeah. But the upshot is now, I have two film scripts. Yeah, that's right. One done on the murder trailer, mm-hmm. and one done on the, the children's an animation. Yeah. But the problem with Ireland is this. You cannot contact anybody because it's unsolicited. Yeah. You cannot get an agent. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to get a publisher. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know... It's, it's a tricky road. It's hard. Um, it's a lot more that... Someone might think about it. It's a lot more that goes on to even get a book published, you know, um, to, to find its way out there it's, it's a, a lot of oh. it's not as if you just print it up one day and press send and that's it no in actual fact if people only knew you know I made a few quid yeah but then I put a few quid into place can I ask you about um, yeah, Vengeance is Mine yeah um, this is your second book then after 2 yeah. plus 2 is that um, a redemption story based on your own um, by your own experiences let me put it this way to you. It's not 
It's following him. Mm-hmm. It's following him. And I don't give any names. Yeah. On the country, the main character's name is Hutch. And I wrote that in 2000, but his name was Huey Hutchinson. Okay. So, nickname Hutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Black, Blackie. Uh, Tony Sykes, Psycho. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, but I was aiming at, at a judge in the High Court. Mm-hmm. And there's a fair bit of truth in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and your screenplays. So, basically, at age 33, this obviously must have been an interest of yours growing up all the time. Um, the writing. Maybe, did it come from solitary confinement and just letting your imagination run? Possibly. Possibly. Probably because I never know interest in yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never read a book in my life. Yeah. Haven't even read me all. I do not watch films. Yeah. I do not know who actors there. Yeah. It's just imagination. Mm-hmm. It's just what I see. Build a story of what I see. Yeah. You know, so it's... And as well, can I ask you, we're going to jump on to, um, to something that you said you jumped back into. You had your, your you know, you raised your religion initially when you're... Like, I always ask this question. Um, yeah. Part of this podcast is trained, hard and truth. So... Right. The truth is um, what means what motivates people and what they where they get their meaning from in their life really you know and um, I think your country you're coming we're coming from a country with bad experience especially the older generation yeah with religion and I think that they they tie together this idea of uh, of God and faith with the Catholic Church but I think it's it's important to separate it I think there are two different bodies and I think that most people think in a way Oh, religion, that's these people, and this is what they did in the past, and this, that, and the other. But I think it's very different um, when you follow your own, you know, you read the Bible and you follow Christ it, compared to different organized religions. Organized things can be very corrupt, and they, and people people can be very corrupt, especially when they're in positions of power, like they were in Ireland, like the priests. You know, this, you know they can abuse that power. That's correct. But I don't think it's a testament to the faith either of... You know of uh, of people's faith. You know, um, are you? Would you say you? Is faith a big thing in your life? Oh yes, it is. Regardless of all the stuff you went through with the priests and with Catholic oh yes, yeah. yes, because in actual fact, I I read the Bible a number of times, but what we read in the Bible. And what the church was putting out there contradicted us. Yes. Um, I have listened to Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, born again Christians, Muslims, um, you name them. Yeah. Now, all the good people in these, whichever, whoever you're with, all the good people live by the same. Beliefs. Yeah, morals kind of are. Uh, and love thy neighbour as thyself. Yeah. Uh, live according to same rules. Mm-hmm. Do not abuse certain things or people. Help somebody if you can. Yeah. 
Let me give you a little tip. I wrote, as I told you, 46 plays. I wrote for eight, 18 years for St. Mary's Hospital in the Phoenix Park for the residents. Mm -hmm. 18 years for the brain damaged Coonaven. Now, every time I walked into that hospital, I'm five foot nine probably. When I come in, I'd be 10 foot 10. Really, yeah. With the feeling I got out of seeing smiles, these people trying to put their heart in this one. Mm -hmm. And one of my groups was from the youngest 83, yeah. the oldest 97. The brain damage they suffered from a poor brain injury, Huntington's, uh, stroke victims. They put a place for me. Really? And the feeling I got from that, now they were only short places. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, and they try and say to you, you know, if you live your life without a belief, they try and say to you that, you know, that feeling of them smiles and you feeling that tall is all a chemical reaction in your brain, that there's nothing more to it. And I just don't buy that kind of thing. You no, know? I don't buy that. I don't buy it. And I, I think it, you know, we all know how much a human life is worth and it transcends that, you know. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, we're, we're not just a, a, a an accidental byproduct of nature, you know. No, like everyone, everyone knows how much value they put in their life. It's the reason we get up, we look at our kids and, you know, we that's see the right. love there. It, it's not as if it's, it's not an animalistic no. Thing. You know, it's sophisticated, you know, we, we, we run on, you know, we're so conscious as, as people, you know, and the likes of that, you walking out and improving someone's life like that means so much more in the, in the grand scheme of things than just, you know, you could write it off if you didn't have any faith in the world, you know, there's no point in doing them things if there was no, you know, if, if it meant nothing at the end of the day, you know, right. what's the, what's the point, you know? They thought they got some from me. Yeah. I got, you cannot buy what I got from those. Yeah. On the spiritual side of things, I remember I was at this wedding and this very well educated person said to me, um, do you know something, there's no matter when you die, you die. End mm. of story. Mm -hmm. So I said, well I don't believe that. One bit. Yeah. Says so, so, come here and tell you, I says. Says so, so, I have a brain, I have beliefs. So, so let me give you an instance. Says so, you know what can prove it. Says mm -hmm. so, so, well let me give you an instance. Says so, so, I have a phone, a cheap phone. Says so, so, I send somebody a message in America. Mm -hmm. They have the phone off. My message is in cyberspace. Says so when he switches on his phone, there be a mod or whatever out there. That message goes into the receiver. Says mm -hmm. so now my brain is much more advanced than any bloody lumbar buttons. Yeah. Says so, so when I die, my beliefs, I've a place to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that. Mm -hmm. You know, but then. Again, a lot of people try to act hard. Yeah, and you know, and there's um, 
there's this kind of I've come across it you know I spoke the last episode I did I spoke honestly about there's a trend I think and it might be common in your life as well and I found this in a lot of people you know, we grow up and we're all our school is all about the sacraments and about the religion and you have no choice in what it is and I think you rebel against that that's right in your teens maybe your early 20s and then somewhere along the way I, I would say to people and I've said a few times in this it comes knocking a bit and um, you, you look at it as an adult with an educated mind if you don't really look at it again you're missing something huge you know that's great and I uh, so, things happen to me in my uh, when I was about 27, 28 and I wasn't really thinking about the religion thing too much um, but uh, it forced me to look at it again and I said well hold on if this is going to be an important part of my life I want to know about historically how accurate it could be you know um, I want to know you know about cosmology and I want to know about neuroscience I want to do and everything I came across just built my faith and there was like it was like something was working on me and Immediately when that happened, people came out of woodwork, I say, and were challenging me on it. It's like they knew it, and um, I couldn't defend myself. So the more I read on it, the more I knew, and the more it made sense. So I'd never go after someone, but when someone challenged me on it, I'd say, well, you know what, though? And, you know, I'd say a few of my arguments, and it would probably quiet them down for a while. But whatever about historical accuracy of this, that, and the other, you know, I think when you have your faith... It, it's a, it's like a feeling that you can't like I, I couldn't sit down and say to an atheist right I'm going to convert you here and there They I think it's an experience you go through you need to look into it you need to make that step put, you know open the door that little bit and step through it as an adult you know in a lot of ways um, that's right you just mentioned there an atheist mm. do you know there was a thing there during the second world war where there was atheists mm. on the ships. Yeah. And when torpedoes hit the ships, and they knew they were going down or had to clear it over, the first thing they said, God help me. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I spoke, I spoke the last time, I, I, I said a very funny experiment that was the one I read about a few years ago. These scientists put these guys into this room, a dark room, and they, yeah, uh, you know, they're saying to them, and th- these guys are claimed atheists, you know. And he says, you know, they're in the dark room, a little microphone, he says to them, um, you know, call on God. And they, some of them start sniggering, seven or eight of them. He said, okay. And in the dark room, call on the devil. And the, the heart rates start going up. And, you know, they say, well, hold on here, you know. You know, right. you might snigger at something. But I think the, 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 the idea I'm saying is that it's important to detach all Ireland... Catholicism as what they did with God and faith you know in you know I always say nothing you know they say the big bang exploded out of nothing but nothing comes from nothing you know things don't just appear into existence out of nowhere you know if they have no explanation of it to this day you know we need to look at both sides of the coin at least and um, to me you know it's just you know I, I can't I would say there's no atheists and I'd be, I know it's a bold accusation to say, but the reason I'm saying it is because if they can't prove it, how can they, if they're going to go right. it, you know, you can't prove it's not a God. That's right. You know, all we, can, we can prove though that when we fall asleep, we dream, or that our love for our kids is so much, or the feelings we get from helping others are, right. they actually have proved that prayer works before surgeries, and, and you know, we can debate why that is, but 
I think that, you know, your story is testament to that, that even though you went through the physicality and, and seeing it firsthand of what they can do in your younger years, you still held your faith. That's great. Which must have been, it, it sounds like a strong discipline almost, you know? That's right. You see, in actual fact, if you had no faith, you have nothing. Yeah. Now, it did say in actual fact, I'm not giving a Bible study here. But yeah, yeah. In Genesis, mm-hmm. in the beginning, that's what Genesis means, uh, it said there would be evil people here on earth. Yeah. And there is evil people here on earth. Mm-hmm. Now, as they said, if you can repent, you know. Yeah. But, you see, a spiritual type of person, if you're spiritual, yeah. and you're good, and you live a good life, mm-hmm. you will sense evil. Yes. There's something protects you. I mean, put it this way. I got a smack of a train down on Graceland's. I got, that can be confirmed. I went there, I was having a few drinks at the sea one night. And a nephew of mine come down. Anyway, the upshot was, I had one too many. And he said to me, God, you never, just 11 o'clock at night, you never, you couldn't swim in that. Now, what do you say to a fellow who had a drink of Who's had one too many. Do you know what I said? I can. Do you know something? <laughs> you are all the same. You just have no backbone. It's pitch dark. I don't know whether you know from Greystones to Bray. Right, it's a good distance. There's a walk yeah. down there. Yeah. Anyway, so he says to him, this bloody this and that. And what do I do? Get into the water. Took my clothes off, get into the water. Tried to sober up. But the more I went under the waves and this and that. Now there was a couple, two couples walking down the thing, and one of them thought they seen something down. And they came down to look and they found me close. Of course, they got on to the police, they got on to this, the ambulance, the whole lot. Out in the sea, my eyes were closing. I couldn't keep them open. I was falling asleep. And I said, Come, it's over, it's all over. No more fish and chips, human and chips or fish. <laughs> So I accepted. I wasn't showing, showing help. I wasn't showing nothing. I accepted that was that. Don't ask me how I made it back. But they had formed the chain. Now it was under the water and all. Shit. But they took me out and there was flashing lights everywhere. And I thought it was a spiritual awakening. <laughs> it wasn't. And I said, I'm all right. They had to put me out. No, he says, I'll go home. They says, no, you can't. Because if we let you go home, and that happens you. More than true. Yeah, yeah. But how I got in pitch darkness from there to there, I don't know. You don't know, yeah. There is, you know, Noel said this to me as well, and Noel's your nephew. He said, Anto, you know, I'll put it to you this way. He says, I've had a lot of close calls, and I think some people sometimes do. And I, the only thing I can make sense of it sometimes I think about it, I chalk it down, you know, 
it, it's there was something looking after me. Uh, you know, it wasn't my my time, and you know, even I can say, you know, I've had times. So I, I remember years ago. Um, now I never told the story this way, but I walked out of a chipper after a night out down in Carlo, and uh, some guy came up asked me for a cigarette. I didn't even look at him. I was going over to the to the ATM to get a few bob for a bag of chips. And uh, I said, sorry, I don't smoke. And all of a sudden I got a smack. Now, I had I had got into arguments as well years ago. You know, I, I'd gone through a bit of bullying in school. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was a, a bit smaller than my friends growing up. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, when I got that bit bigger, I would have seen bullies and I would have hated them. I, I remember what I felt like. And I used to see people... Of course. Doing this sort of people when I was out and I go over and I would I never hit someone for it, they hit me or anything, but I'd always say, What are you doing? You know, let that person enjoy their night and this of course I could walk into four people and say this and lads would be saying, Oh, here we go now, another argument but this this night anyway, I didn't even see who it was and no sorry, don't smoke and I got a smack and I knew from previous arguments it wasn't a fist and uh, I I got rocked a bit and I got another smack, very heavy. I didn't know what it was. And I still couldn't turn. And it was like someone dipped my head under the water and brought me back up. It was like my head was swimming. And I fell onto one knee and I got another smack. And uh, this, I didn't know this, but uh, there was a lot of commotion going on. And I couldn't almost defend myself, but I knew there were several people around me. And uh, I uh, something in, in me said, you need to get out of here right now, this second. And uh, I got this surge of energy and I burst through them. There must have been six or seven guys straight through the middle of them. And I, I tore off as quick as I've ever ran. And I ended up in a car park where I collapsed from the pain or from the actual oh, impact. But I managed to get there and I managed to, I went so fast that none of them could actually catch me. What had happened that I found out the next day was, um, these guys were going around recording and uh, they hit me with a brick four times in the head and uh, a young fellow died a few months after from these guys you know um, and, yeah. uh, and these what they were they you know they were they didn't care like they were attending put me at least in hospital you know um, but whatever got me out of there now that could be coincidental as well people could argue that but there is you know I, I had an accident here a few weeks ago I shouldn't even be raising my arm that high because I cycled from Carlow to Dublin I stopped here to be go buy a clothes and I was cycling two kilometres further to my mother's house in Walkinstown the bag of clothes swung and caught the spoke six weeks ago and I went head over heels on the bike the bike was broke up and I was on the ground on the road this guy got out of his car and went to pick me up and I said oh, I'm not there and I didn't realise but my, my collarbone was snapped and it was coming out through the skin but I actually came down on my head and I was bleeding from the nose but I was wearing a helmet had I not been wearing a helmet now it would have been a different story yeah. but I was in hospital and they said you need surgery tomorrow and we're going to have to put plates in, a plate in your shoulder and uh, it's there that's you know it's, it's yeah, still yeah. on the heel I don't know if you see it but um, I was nervous I didn't, ever want, to, didn't want to be knocked out I even got the camera down the show years ago and I didn't want to be knocked out for nothing like that don't make me any of this kind of thing but it was so sore I knew I had to go through it because it was in bits and I have a cross and I said I'll bring this in that's my protection I said a few prayers or whatever like that they, they stopped me and they said you can't bring that in 
And I said, I always wear this. And I said, you can't, you can't put me into surgery. So put it in the envelope and go in. And I said to myself, Jesus, uh, be with me or show me that you'll be with me for this. They wheeled me down and five minutes later, this woman came up and she goes, I'm going to be looking after you. Don't worry about a thing. As soon as she said it, this crucifix fell from her, from inside her top and down. And uh, I was being pulled out at the time and it, well, I was just about to be pulled out. I knew I just smiled to myself and I said, at least he showed me, you know. And yes, you know, you get yes. you get you get hundreds of these little things, you know, the timing of things, how things work out well, you know, and you know, how we get jobs, how opportunities come up and family members, you know, and there's so much stuff that, that, that sits so well and you know, means so much to you, you know. But yes, but just like that cross mm. and for that to happen. Yeah. If it popped in. Yeah, and people could say it's coincidence, but you can't say everything is coincidental. No, you know. And you know the fact that we're able to even to consider these things, you know, um, you know the way our brains, you know, contemplate these things. You know, we we want to know who we are. It's good to know who we are. You know, and can I ask you something though? And this might be a personal question. You don't have to answer it or not. Um, did you ever make amends with your father? I did. You did. I did. Tell me what I did. Well, you, you sound both stubborn. I remember you said I was probably a little yeah. bit too much like him. Yeah, and I wondered, right. is that what you were saying? That's right. An actual fight. I fell in with every one of my family. I was the problem. Because if you come in at 2 or 3 in the morning, piss out of your head or whatever, yeah. they have to go to work. Yeah. And so forth. It's a matter of fact. Put it this way, up until that age, my biggest defect was being conscious of having no defects. <laughs> right? Right, okay. Then I woke up. Yeah. And then I says, I'm a walking defect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have so many defects, I heard the skeletons in the cupboard. <laughs> I've graveyards in here, yeah. you know. So. And you know, that, that also goes back to, I think, faith in a way. You know, the idea in the biblical story of the Garden of Eden, you know, yeah. and if you eat this fruit, you will become gods and in your yeah. own right. I think people who sometimes reject this idea, are, you know, I'm the master of my own life. I decide I'm here for my reasons and to do this, that and the other. But really you have to bow down to something and I said you know um, it's important to know you're not the god of your your own you know they say you know in a lot of ways I think it's very true because um, you know you need to humble yourself of course you do you know and realise how it's it's you know you get too wrapped up in the whole thing and, and I think that eventually you go through life and you get to the end of it I think you might be very sorry when you realise your own mortality, you know, that, well, did I miss something here, maybe, you know? Of course. You see, sorry, just what you're not saying there. Um, you know, you go through life, mm. um, let me put it this way, you said the Big Bang Theory mm-hmm. not so long ago. I don't believe in that. No, me neither. I don't, um, I'll tell you what they actually did. They sent, put this circle of and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. They sent two positives against each other yeah. in the opposite direction. That's such force. It couldn't be. 
Yeah. Right. If you look at Greatest speedway is 186,222 miles per second. The nearest planet was Alpha Centauri, 4.25 light years away, and then Alpha Proxima and so forth. But even with Kepler 186F, that is the nearest planet. It's red. Mm -hmm. They believe to scroll on it. Mm -hmm. There could be life on it. In other but words, Mars is it? Sorry? In other words, Mars is it like? No, 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 no. Do you know these rockets that go, uh, the spaceships go for miles and miles and miles and mm -hmm. billions of them? They keep on taking pictures. Yeah. And they be way past Mars at the moment. And they're looking for enough on planets. Yeah, yeah. So there was this planet. Helper one eight six yeah. and they says it has growth, it has water, but it's red. Yeah. Now come here and tell you. Somebody said the earth was flat. Yeah. Now people up to that point in time would have been educated that the world was flat. Mm -hmm. That's right. That went out the window like that. Once one person found it was round. Yeah, yeah. So we're not just looking out. Mm -hmm. It's a waste of space. Yeah. And a waste of money. Yeah. If they spend the money on saving lives. Yeah, yeah. Or billions and hundreds of billions go to these. Ah, and the rest. You know, um, and, and the, the, you know, it's said in the Bible, you know, the, the heavens explain the glory of God, which is the... the Stars, you know, it says in Genesis we go at the it's time, space, and matter. These are three things that need to come into existence at the same time. You know, they'll never figure that one out because you know, to get a bang, you need energy. You know, where does energy come from to begin with? You know, and uh, where does matter come from? If you have time and no space, where do you put it? You know, if you have space and no time, when do you put it? You know, and they can't get it, but in, in the beginning, this time. God created the heavens, the space, and the earth. There is right. matter, and that's the three continuums. You know, because um, you know, time is present, past, future. There are right. there are trinity, and you see this trinity theme. You know, um, earth is solid liquid gas, and you know, uh, and what was it? Science, what's, what did I say? You know, and matter, space, and time. Time, yeah. Yes, and space, height, width, uh, with de depth. And yeah. these things had to come together at the same time. But, you know, even now they're trying to shoot rockets and they're trying to do this, that, and the other. They can't explain what gravity is, even. You know, oh. they, don't, they don't know how to produce it, what it is, why it's there, why it could be there. You know, it, these, you know, there's very simple stuff that they, they keep talking about this, you know, quantum physics and multiverses. They can't figure out our own, what's in front of us, you know. That's exactly and DNA, they still don't know how much information. They just keep stacking up power form how we you know reproductively how we do everything you know how it how it happens and it all points to a design you know and that's the big problem you know like everything seems designed you know and maybe it's possibly because there is a designer you know in a lot of ways you know well you see you were talking about gravity and all like that mm. you take an airplane yeah you have gravity mm. lift trust yeah. and drag and then you have the jet engine and 
Reduction Combustion, ich habe den Kronstein, 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 Everything, but God has put that there for, for us. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because you cannot make him a wheel. Yeah. It does not make a wheel win. Yeah, yeah. So, all of these things, I mean, uranium, 871, named after the planet Uranus, mm -hmm. now they make atomic bombs from it. Yeah, yeah. And so forth and so yeah. on. It's an energy force, yeah. you know. Yeah, but um, it also as well, you know, it's just it's it's funny. I remember reading this with this uh, atheist uh, Austrian philosopher came to came to the US years ago, and he says, um, you know, either there is a god or there isn't. Both possibilities are frightening to me. He said, if there is, if there isn't a god, then we're spinning around the sun at sixty-seven thousand miles an hour, and nobody's in charge. And he said, if there is a God, then we better find out what he wants and, you know, and, you know, what, what this means to us, you know, in a lot of ways. I thought it was a very funny statement, you know. Yeah, There's yeah. a guy called Henkel, who's a German. He read the, the book of Darwin, you know, and um, he sculpted up these images. And it was supposed to be about the reproductive, uh, the child growing in the womb and how it's the same as a dog. And, you know... He went around the German population showing these photos and um, Darren believed that this was the biggest, by far, the biggest evidence for evolution, say, in, in genomes. And uh, his own institution eventually convicted him as a fraud. He had made up everything and he had already been years, but still, this is in, this is 150 years ago, and the drawings are still being used today in textbooks. And why they're not alleviated. Sometimes you wonder, is there an agenda in certain atheist scientists putting these things out, you know, um, to, to pull away from we're all gods or trying to play, you know, God in our own way and try to get the power of owning, you know, shooting satellites and being the first one to the moon and, you know, owning, you know, it, all the con Someone drew lines in the sand years ago. This is America. You know, this is, uh, this is South America, you know, uh, this is our, our part. And everyone just goes with that now, you know, and we're all separated by these lines and they spawn their own languages to be individuals. Right. So I think the bigger picture is that, you know, we're all in this together. You know, life can be suffering and, uh, you know, you have to bear, you have to bear that and help each other out and, and stumble forward, really, you know. That's right. But you also have to stick with the winners. Yeah. Because there's an awful lot of people out there that are trying to drag you down. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, you know? yeah. And there's a lot of jealousy out there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Can I tell you, Anthony, there's three gods, right, in this world. Three. One is God. Mm -hmm. Two is the multi-millionaires because they can get whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And three, the person that cannot be bought. They're gone their own little rights because they can't be bought by enticed yeah, yeah. for easy money or whatever the case may be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But 
Does the power of greatness, I mean, if it was the greatest thing, well, what are we doing down here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and if there's no meaning, you know, sometimes we drive to work every day and we're, we're we, you know, we get so zoned in and much rumour in, we don't see what's outside. And, you know, the bigger picture is, you know, you're driving on that tarmac, on a ball, on a globe, that's working perfectly in sync, you know, fine-tuned. Um, you have loved ones around you. You have emotions for reasons. You know, you have kids. Absolutely. And um, as well, I want to I ask you something because you you turned your life around from from polar opposites, basically, yeah, from living rough. So I know I'm jumping back a bit, but I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to anyone who is at the front of this talk, right, who is in that situation now, what would you say to them to help them do what you did? I'd say change your company because if it's not working with company, something has to go. Yeah. Number two, ask for help. Yes, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to humble yourself. Mm -hmm. Number three, you have to have a want to get better. Yes. If there's no want, you'll never get better. Mm -hmm. uh, there is places out there, and there's people out there, who are only too willing to help. Absolutely, yeah. But if we was to say to anybody, you'd say, if your company isn't working, mm -hmm. change it. Yes. Ask for help. Mm -hmm. Because remember one thing, if I'm an alcoholic, a drug addict, a compulsive gambler, whatever the case may be, the last person I need to be with is another alcoholic, yes. another drug. Yeah. Because, they, you know, even if you're trying to help that person in some ways, you know, you can be pulled, you know, there's this thing, you know, so you're obliged to, to surround yourself with people who want the best for you. And, the, you know, I, I read this in a recent book, a Jordan Peterson uh, book, I'm big influenced by him, but he's, um, he says, you know, you know, the pe you can tell who your friends because when you tell them something that happened to you that's good, they're actually happy about that. That's great. But when you went through something that's tough, you know, they suffer along with you. They feel your pain. You That's know, right. And they don't, they don't blow you off or tell you about something that happened to them that was worse, you know. That's right. It's, it's a good to identify. You know, you're, you're actually, it's not a bad thing, but you, you're, you're, you're obliged to yourself to surround yourself with people who, who look after you and that you look after them in turn. I think that's the whole thing we're all in this together, you know. That's right. To be there from somebody is a matter of fact. A friend... That helps not mm. is no better than an enemy that holds not. So think it over. That's a good one, yeah. Listen, uh, Connie, fair yeah. like fair play to you coming in, and I just want to say, um, I put I'm gonna put a few links on your couple of books you have there, and uh, I know you're 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 doing a bit of screenwriting as well. Yeah, I'm trying to get producers now for. Yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, and I. I wish you the, the best with that. And I, I'm going to, after this talk is over, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see a few links of your write-ups, your couple of books, and a little link to where you can buy these on online as well. And uh, I have to say, appreciate you coming in. Fair play to you. I know it's very late in the day. And on a Friday, you know, everyone's kicks at the weekend. Um, it's been my pleasure talking to you. I appreciate I mean, that. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for oh, Fair play. I appreciate you coming in. Thanks so much, Connie. Thank you. Cool, man. Very much, Sam. Yeah.